Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, God's Covenant Words. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. For those of you that uh, heard our teaching about the tongue, this will kind of go along with it. But if you remember, what we spent our time talking about was that life and death was in the power of the tongue and that you're going to get what you say and how important what you say is. Well, we need to take some of these same thinkings tonight and turn around and apply what we were saying about ourselves to God. And I feel like sometimes this is something that we've really missed out on. We forget that the Lord's the one that set down the rules. Amen. He's the one that said life and death are in the power of the tongue. And He abides by these things too. So anyway, I just want to go and show you about how the Lord has used His words, how infallible His word is, and how you can apply it to your life. Amen. First of all, that scripture we used already in teaching on the tongue is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, "Life and our death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof." And that shows you again that either life or death is in the power of the tongue. Out of Genesis chapter one, the reason I wanted to show you this: this is an instance how this is how the Lord God created the heavens and the earth. Now notice it says, "In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth." And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, everything was present. God had already made the world. He had already made heaven. His Spirit was moving upon the face of the waters. Everything was present that it took for something to happen. But until God said, Let there be light, there wasn't one single thing that happened. God used His mouth or His words. I don't know if you'd say His mouth. He's, he's a spirit. But however it happened, amen, words were spoken. And His words are what created this physical world. And that is a system that God set up. You could cross-reference this over to Hebrews chapter 11. I believe it's verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And this scripture right here says that the things, that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. In other words, God's words, the spoken word out of His mouth, is what He used to create the entire universe, everything. Now notice, He did this not only for the light, but He did it, for the firmament in the heaven, he did it for the waters uh, and the dry land appearing, for the sun, the moon, and the stars. He did it for uh, the creatures in the sea. He did it for the fowls and the beasts of the earth. And then he, that's how he created man. He spoke man into existence. And all of these things, he did it by his words. Now, this is showing you a pattern about God. Now, I heard Kenneth Copeland say this, and this really makes good sense that if you were reading the Bible for the very first time, if you didn't know anything, and if you didn't have a religious mind, if you weren't indoctrinated already, if you were to read the first chapter of Genesis, the first thing you'd learn about God is that when He is going to do anything, He always says it first. And that that's the way that God created it. Now, we have taken this and read it just religiously, and we haven't got this. But this is one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Word of God about how important words are. Because God simply said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, that's powerful. Only God would have come up with a system like that. Amen. Our little old peanut brains, we'd have thought surely he'd have come up with some great machine that could have manufactured all of this stuff and put it out. But God just simply spoke and the entire world, everything had to obey. There had to be light. There had to be light when there was no source of light. It was the fourth day before there was a sun, a moon, or a star. So anyway, God created it with His words. And in God's words, in the Word of God, there is creative power. Now this applies not only to when He was creating the worlds, but the Word of God doesn't change. Amen? Jesus is the Word of God. It says in, in uh, John chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is an amazing thing about these words is that when God spoke a word out of His mouth, it does not change. God's words that He spoke recorded right here in Genesis chapter 1 still have exactly as much power right this moment as they did 
nearly 10,000 years ago the moment they've spoken. Amen? Now somebody says nearly 10,000 years ago the world is millions and millions of years old. Not according to the Bible. Amen? It may be according to some philosopher, but it's not according to the Bible. Praise the Lord. And uh, anyway, that's a whole other subject. But anyway, the moment that this was spoken, it still has just as much power, and these words are still working just as much tonight as they were the moment the Lord spoke them out of His mouth. Now, I don't know if you see that or if you understand the principle there, but there's a powerful, powerful principle. And that is that once God's Word is ever activated, for instance, in your own life, once you go to believe God for something and you step out on His Word, if you speak His Word... God's Word begins to work at that exact moment and God's Word will continue to work. There is no force in heaven and earth and hell that can stop God's Word from working unless you retract it, unless you take it back. Now, can you see why Satan comes against you? And like, for instance, when you step out and start trying to believe for something, man, he throws everything that he's got in his entire kingdom against you. The reason for it is, is because there's nothing, nothing, nothing that he can do against the Word of God. But he can come against you. And if you'll retract the Word of God, and if you'll quit speaking God's Word out of your mouth, and if you'll go to saying, well, I don't know why it didn't work, right that moment, you'll stop God's power. But if you don't ever yield, if you hold fast your profession of faith without wavering, I don't care if it takes a month, a year, 10 years, 10,000 years, God's Word will continue to work. And when all of the other circumstances and the hindrances that Satan may be trying to use get out of the way, God's Word will be perfected and you'll get your answer. It's important that you get that kind of attitude about the Word of God and that you see this. When God created these worlds... It says in Hebrews chapter 1, let's read this scripture. You may still be in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Notice again, the same progression of events. When he began to do something in the Old Testament, what did he do? He spoke by the prophets. God sent his word. Psalms 107 verse 20 says, God sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. So God spoke by the prophets in time past. In these last days He has spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And it says that Jesus by himself purged our sins, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. That means all things. Amen. There is nothing that you can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. There is nothing that was ever created that is not upheld by God's Word. By what words? By the exact words that we read over there in the book of Genesis. Those words are holding this entire universe together. Y'all see that? Now, He doesn't wake up every morning. In the first place, He doesn't ever sleep. But in the, every morning, the Lord does not get up and speak again that there will be sunshine and that there will be night and that there will be life being born that each animal will reproduce after its kind. He doesn't have to get up and recreate new animals. Things like that. Do you all see that? Because the words that he spoke out of his mouth, the moment he spoke them, they were powerful and they are continuing to work and nothing has ever altered. He never had to create a second monkey. Or excuse me, a third monkey. <laughs> Amen. I know more than that. Amen. <laughs> he never had to create a third monkey because you see when he created them, he gave them the ability and he spoke a covenant out of his mouth. He said, you be fruitful and multiply and bring forth after your own kind. Notice not after another kind like an evolutionist would say but they were to replenish and reproduce after their own kind. And God gave that law and it works. And God does not have to speak it again and again and again. The word that He spoke is still working and it works perfectly. Amen? Also, now this is a, this is a little bit of sideline, but I always say this because this was, a big, this was a big question to me about why God allows some of the things that He allows. 
And I used to wonder why some things happen that happens. Like, for instance, I'd see a baby born out of wedlock, and I'd see babies born into homes where the parents would throw them in trash cans or something like that. And I'd wonder why God did all that. But what actually happened, you see, God created Adam, and then He made Eve out of Adam. He put them together, and He gave them authority and power. He gave them a covenant that they could reproduce after their own likeness. And it was God's power, God's creative force, but it was committed unto man. And man actually can reproduce, recreate through a God-given law, but it is given unto man. God does not sit down and say, All right, I'm going to bless that union right there, like, for instance, an ungodly union, and say, I'm going to give them a child. God doesn't sit down and pick things like that. The Scripture says that God gave man the ability to reproduce in his own likeness, and if man misuses it, it will work. It's a power of God. Amen? And that's the reason, like, say, for instance, when people come together out of wedlock, they can still conceive and they can have children, a thing that, all, that is a God-given power, but it is committed unto them. You all see that? Well, the same, the same example flows over into the Christian life that God has made covenants with us. God has given us power, and when God speaks something out of His mouth, it doesn't change or it doesn't alter. And you can sit there and misuse God's power. Like, go back again to the teaching on the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can take your tongue, and God says you shall have whatsoever you say. He gave it to you for your own profit, but if we misuse it, then it's going to begin to reproduce. It's going to work just exactly like God said, but it'll work against us instead of for us. You all see that? It's a powerful law of God. But back to these words. When God spoke His words, they are continuing to function today just as much as they were the moment He spoke them. Amen? And that just really turns me on because that means that when I stand on the promise of the Word of God, those words that God spoke out of His mouth begin to work for me. And they'll continue to work for me. Amen? They will continue to work 24 hours a day on a continuous basis as long as I don't retract it. As long as I keep my faith in them, praise God, they work for me. Amen? And that's something that you need to know. A lot of people are willing to release their faith for just an instant. And if they see an answer come to pass, fine. If it doesn't work in 30 seconds, they say, why didn't it work? It's because they don't understand this principle. They don't understand that when God speaks something, it's established and God doesn't change. You have to violate it. You have to avoid it with your mouth to keep the Word of God from coming to pass. Now, you may speak something. You may make a covenant with God. You may speak out of your mouth that you're going to get your needs supplied. God will move. The Word of God. He's bound Himself by His Word. God will move in your behalf. And I don't care how many obstacles in your way, it will have to come to pass if you'll just hold fast your profession. And you see, it's important that you get that down pat and understand it so that you won't faint, that you'll realize that whether you can see anything or not, you've got the promise that God's Word is working. Amen? Now, in Genesis chapter 1, where he spoke these things into existence, notice in the very first... Um, thing that he created there, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And anyway, he made a covenant that darkness and light would abide before him. It says that, uh, let's go over to the 14th verse. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Now, we may read that sometimes and not really understand what was happening, but by the very fact that God said it, God made a covenant. Now, this is something else I want you to see out of when God speaks something. Every word that God speaks, He never speaks any vain or empty words. Every word He said carries all of the authority and power of the Godhead behind it. Every last word. And when he says something, it's a covenant. Now, if you remember when Don Crow ministered here about a covenant, and he emphasized some of the things throughout the Scripture about a covenant, a covenant 
to us may not mean much. Like, for instance, people break their word all of the time. They can promise you this or that and they don't hold to it. But God's not that way. The Scripture says in Numbers 23, 19 that God is not a man that He should lie. Hath He said and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken and shall He not bring it to pass? God cannot repent Himself, praise God. When He says something, it is a covenant, it's an oath, it's a binding oath out of His mouth. And you can rest assured that it's going to abide. Take this example right here where He spoke these few little things about the sun and the moon and the stars and about day and night. You may not have perceived it right here, but that was a covenant. He made a covenant and nothing can alter it. Like on the way up here tonight, Joshua was drawing on his little slate and it, the sun began to set. And anyway, he looked out the window and he said, Let there be light. <laughs> and he was commanding that light to come back because he wanted to see. And then he just kind of looked at us and he said, Why isn't there light? And I had to tell him, I said, Well, God had a covenant over that light. And you can't make God go contrary to His covenant. You can't believe God to do something contrary to the covenant that He's made. That's the reason that doesn't work. Amen? Because he's already got a previous contract with the sun, the moon, and the stars and all of this. Let's look in uh, Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33:25. Jeremiah 33:25. The Scripture says, Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will, take, will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. Now he's saying all of this so that he can give them an assurance that he is not going to forsake them. He says, if you could break my covenant with day and night, then my covenant with you would be broken. Now, that's pretty strong. He said right there that he had a covenant with day and night. Where did he make it? Genesis chapter 1. When he said, let there be light, that meant that words had gone out of his mouth. God has never retracted it. Amen. The Lord has never said, all right, let there not be day and night. And because he's never retracted it, his words are still as operative. There is a covenant and this entire world system is functioning and operating on it. Amen. Now go back again to the Scripture in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it says that God upholds all things by the word of His power. By the very fact that He spoke these things into existence, this world system and everything, it's held together by the word of God. That's what uh, by Him all things consist. I believe that's out of Colossians, isn't it? I'm not for sure where that Scripture is, but anyway, it says by Him all things consist. And so God upholds everything by the word of His power. Uh, you know, there's molecules. I'm sure all of you have been taught about molecules and stuff. Well, the nucleus of a molecule has a... Somebody's going to have to help me on this maybe. It has a negative charge, right? Well, if the nucleus is atom, it's positive, it Okay, okay. Anyway, it's one of those ways. <laughs> The nucleus is positive, the electrons are negative. Anyway, one of the laws of nature that you can see exhibited in everything is that, that opposite uh, forces... Or no, let me see. How am I going to... No, here it is. This is it. Okay. See, I'm getting out of my MOS. <laughs> that means I'm getting out of my calling, getting into science. Anyway, the nucleus has neutrons and protons, Right? And they repel each other. they got opposite charges or like charges. Okay. And one of the laws of nature is that like charges repel each other. And science cannot give you a good explanation or any explanation why what holds the molecule together. Because they are like charges in that nucleus and they would repel each other. Now see that? That violates all the laws of nature and yet they hold together. Why? Nobody can tell you, but the reason scripturally is that God holds all things together by the word of His power. If God's word was to be retracted, did you know that, boy, the whole solar system, everything would self-destruct? Praise God, it would fly apart at the seams. And we may not have been putting this kind of emphasis on the word, but this is how important those words recorded in the Bible are. 
That's what's keeping this entire world system in tow. And the only thing that can alter it is mankind. That's an amazing fact. But the only creature that ever had authority or power to alter God's words in any way, form, or fashion is mankind. Satan didn't. None of the angels did. Satan did not come and charge God and alter any of his words or challenge them or say anything against them. He got man to do it. He deceived man, and man is the one that challenged what God said and gave dominion unto the devil. Satan didn't do it by himself. Man is the only creature ever created that had authority or power to doubt the words of God or to keep them from coming to pass. That's a shame, but that's the way that it is. And today, most Christians have not realized that the power and the authority that's in God's Word. But this is the way that God is. God has not changed any at all. And the same system that He used in the very first chapter of the Bible, He is still using today. He's doing all things. He's upholding all things by the Word of His power. He is releasing His power into our life through His Word. The same Word that was spoken thousands of years ago, the same Word that's recorded right here in the book, when you see it written down here, it is a covenant that has gone forth out of His mouth and there is nothing, nothing, nothing that can alter it except you and me. Our doubt and unbelief is the only thing that can alter it. Say, for instance, when the Scripture says that by His stripes we were healed, it is a past tense fact. Satan cannot do one thing to stop that. All he can do is come and tempt you and deceive you and put symptoms and pains and feelings and doubts and fears upon you, and you are the only person that has power to stop those words of God from coming to pass. But if we would begin to understand what we're talking about and recognize the authority and power that lies in the Word of God and that every time He's spoken something out of His mouth that He's made a covenant with us, if you'd begin to see this, praise God, I guarantee you it'd change your thinking about some things. Amen? You'd begin to see that you have unlimited power and authority. Now, God's Word will work for us just exactly the same as it works for Him if we will speak it with faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says that unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that hear it, heard it. And so the word of God will work for us, but you've got to mix it with faith before it will release the power that's in it. But if we speak God's word in faith, God's word will work for us exactly, I mean exactly the same as it works for the Lord Jesus Christ if you would get this kind of faith and confidence and put it in God's Word and not waver from it. Praise the Lord. Now, God never one time has wavered or worried about the sun coming up in the morning, about daytime and about night, about the stars, about any of those things. And that's exactly the reason that it works perfectly. Praise the Lord. If we were the ones that were in charge of it, I wonder how many sunrises we'd see. <laughs> Man, we'd worry all night long over the whole thing, wonder if it was going to come up the next morning. But you see, he's never wavered. It'd be a long night. But you see, God doesn't waver. And that's basically our problem is the fact that we have not been established in the Word of God. But if you'll take this teaching, what we're talking about tonight, and if you can see the power and the authority that God has released into His words and that they will continue to work, that nothing can stop them but you and me, if you'll see this, then you can begin to get such a confidence in God's confidence in God's Word that, praise God, you won't waver either. I don't care if you have to go all night long, amen. If you have to go through the dark before you see the day dawn, you're going to sit there and know that just as sure as His covenant is with the day and with the night, so sure is His covenant with His people. Matter of fact, His covenant with us is stronger than His covenant with day and night because that is going to end. There's coming a time that there will be no more day and night. Amen? That's what it says in the book of Revelations, but there will be no such thing as Him ever, ever, ever breaking His covenant with us. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but praise God, His covenant with us is going to continue to stand. It's more sure than the physical elements, than the, than the sun and the moon and the stars and all of this. And we can get in the Word of God. We can begin to put that kind of confidence in it, and we can begin to get that sure without wavering. And when we do, God's words will work for us.
Amen? It's a legal right that we have. But I think lots of times we haven't looked at it that way. And I, Well, I know that we haven't looked at it that way because you can go back and look at religion. And religion says, oh yeah, I see that God said that, but... Well, if God said it, there's no but to it. Amen? I know people say, God, oh, I know the Word says that by His stripes we're healed, but look at this situation. You can just tell that not everybody gets healed. Well, if everybody's not getting healed, it's not because God's Word didn't carry the authority and power. That has nothing to do with it. If everybody's not getting healed, it's because they aren't receiving it or standing on those Scriptures. Don't go looking at the Word of God and then trying to interpret it by uh, circumstances. But start realizing that God's Word has power and authority in it. It will never alter. Let's see, there's a scripture in uh, Psalms chapter 89. I believe it's... Well, I don't know what verse it is. Psalms 89 verse 34. It says, My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Praise the Lord. That's pretty powerful. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. God does not change. The promises that He made to somebody are just as sure unto us. And also another good thing about the Word of God is that when God says something, it says in Romans chapter 2 verse 11 that God is no respecter of persons. If God has spoken something to me, made a covenant with me or made a covenant with Abraham or made a covenant with Noah or made a covenant with Adam or anybody, anytime you can see that God spoke something out of His mouth, God is no respecter of persons. Any person that will take it and believe can enter in and, and benefit from that, those same words that were spoken. Amen? Now that means that if you can find one example in the Word of God where God has healed a person, that you can enter into that covenant because His covenants are made to anybody that will fulfill the same requirements as the person that came to Him. Amen? Boy, I like that. Now also, that will stop a lot of unbelief and doubt in your life because you see a lot of people say, well, I know that that works for Andy. I know that works for somebody else. That works for this super saint, but it just doesn't work for me. I don't know why it won't work for me. Well, if you can see that somebody stood on the Word and it's working for them, it'll work for you if you'll just match up to the conditions of the Word. Amen? And I tell you, it's not you that's going to experience victory. It's the Word of God that's going to work in you. It's not you that God's blessing. God is prospering His Word. Do you know, if you want to be anointed by the Lord, I used to pray for this. I was in ignorance. But I used to pray, Lord, just send us an anointing. Lord, anoint it tonight and do all of this. And I used to go through all of these things. And then I finally found out that God's already anointed His Word. All you got to do is speak it. Amen. And right there is the anointing power of the Holy Ghost coming out of your mouth. 1 John 2.27 says, The anointing which you have received of Him abides within you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as He hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. And you know, we're out of line to be sitting there praying for anointing because the anointing has already come within us. We are born again by the incorruptible Word of God. God's Word is taking root in us, and praise God, you got more anointing of the Lord upon you than you can stand. It's just a matter of using what you've got. But you see, you need to realize that, that God's anointing is on His Word. Out of Mark, the fourth chapter, the Scripture says there that this is the example of the sower soweth the seed. And he goes along and, and throws the seed on every type of ground there was. And if you'll read from the 14th verse on through the rest of that parable, it was the Word of God that was being persecuted. Does everybody get that? Immediately the fowls came and did what? They didn't fight the ground. They didn't peck up the ground. They didn't sit there and try and hurt the ground. They just stole the seed that had been planted, which the seed was the Word of God. The second type of ground, immediately afflictions uh, and persecutions arose for what? The Scripture says for the Word's sake. Satan came immediately against the Word that was sown. In the third type of soil, what happened? The thorns and the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entered in and did what? Choked the Word. And every time that, that the Word of God was not fruitful, what was being fought against was the Word. He could care less about you, but he is petrified of the Word of God. 
And he knows that if God's Word takes root in you, and if he doesn't do something to uproot it, to get it out of you, God's Word's going to bring forth some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And he is fighting against the Word of God. That's what it says, that persecutions come for the Word's sake. When people are speaking against you, it's not you that they're speaking against. They're speaking against the Word of God that's living in you and coming out your lips. Y'all see that? And if you, if you could see that and go back to Martha, Mark the fourth chapter, then you could find that if it's the Word of God that's going to produce and not actually the soil, the soil is just a place where the Word took root. But if it's the Word that's going to produce, well, then the good news is, praise God, it is not going to be according to your great abilities or anything like that. It's God's Word that's bringing forth fruit. I don't care whether you feel like you've got anything going for you, like if you've got any abilities or not. If you feel like everything's stacked against you, it doesn't matter. Just plant God's Word in you, amen, and God's Word brings forth. Praise the Lord. I like that. That set me free. Because I used to think, well, Lord, I don't have any abilities. I can't talk right. I can't do this. I, don't, I butcher English and I do all these things wrong. And the Lord just told me, He says, if you'll put my word in your heart, my word will bring forth a hundredfold. Amen? And I'm sure y'all could say amen to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've made more mistakes than you can shake a stick at, but God's word's producing. And we're seeing some great things come to pass. And that ought to bless you that it doesn't matter who you are, God's Word is what's going to bring forth fruit. If you would put that kind of emphasis on it, if you would put God's Word preeminent above everything and realize the power and the authority and how God doesn't alter His Word, if you would get that established and single on it, God's Word would begin to work for you just exactly the way that it works for God. Now go back and look how God does everything. God created the worlds with His mouth. Hebrews 1.3 says He upholds all things by the word of His power. Right? And so the Lord does everything that He does with His word. That is His secret weapon. That is what God's using. And it says over in Revelations chapter 19 that when He comes back at the battle of Armageddon, what's He going to do? It says that there's going to be a sharp two-edged sword that turns every which away out of his mouth, and with it he will destroy the nations. The blood is going to flow under the horse's bridle. Now what does that mean? Is he going to come back actually with a long sword that's going to fight all of these nations, and he's going to cut the people in pieces with a two-edged sword? That's talking about in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, that the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's simply a picture, a symbolism, and it says that when God comes back, He is simply going to speak the Word out of His mouth. And all of the mighty nations of the earth, I, they're going to gather together with their nuclear weapons, with their bombs, with their tanks, with all their sophisticated radar, with all of their defenses, with everything that man's got. And you know how the Lord's going to destroy it? Just speak the word out of His mouth. And it's all going to be brought to naught. The people are going to be slain. God's going to triumph over every enemy that He's ever had by speaking the word out of His mouth. What word? The same word that we got. I'm convinced He's going to say nothing except Scripture. He's going to quote the same Scripture that you and I have access to. The reason I say that is because on the Mount of Temptation, when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4, Satan came against him and three times Jesus turned around and he says, It is written. It is written. It is written. And I think I've probably shared this with you about why I was wondering why did he say, It is written. And the Lord just showed me it's because he couldn't improve upon the Old Testament Scripture. God communicated it perfectly. It was not inadequate. It was not incomplete. And the Son of God himself, the living Word, could not improve upon the Word that was already communicated. It was God. The Word was made flesh. And so he just simply used what God had already spoken out of his mouth and destroyed the devil with it. So when he comes back the second time, I'm convinced that that's what he's going to do is just simply take the judgment that has been written about how he is going to triumph over all of his enemies and he's going to come back and fight all of the nations of the world all marshaled together and just simply speak the Word of God out of his mouth and everything will be annihilated. Well, that is powerful. And that is the, um, the amazing thing of all of this is God's secret weapon is given to you and me. And it still has just as much power in it right now as it does for God Almighty. The only thing is that you have to release it by putting faith in it. 
Again, the word of God did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. We have the secret weapon of God. We have the covenant of God. And the amazing thing is God has let us enter into this covenant. It will work for us just exactly the same as it works for Him. But you've got to get the same attitude about these words as, as God Almighty does about them. You can't waver. You can't doubt. You can't let sit there and let your uh, denomination tell you, well, that doesn't work anymore. And you say, well, I better watch what I say. Maybe this isn't true. If you got that kind of attitude, the Word won't work for you. you got to get as stubborn and as confident, as, as sure of it, as what the Lord God Almighty is. But if we do, then praise God, it'll work for us. Now, an example that I've used, I'm not sure if I've used it here at Walsh, but it's true that these words are containers. And when God communicated this word unto us, in these words contains all of the power and the authority of the Godhead. I don't know if you can grab hold of that or not, but if you could just picture words as being containers, because they are. According to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Every word that comes out your mouth is either containing death or it is containing life. Every word that is either that has come out of God Almighty's mouth has either contained death or it has contained life. Now the Lord does speak death out of His mouth. For those who refuse His life that He offers them, He seals a doom upon them, and I guarantee you it is death, the ultimate death, the second death. And it's the same thing with Him. His covenant either releases life or death. These words have either life or death within them. These words... Now, not just the physical words on this page. Everybody got that? Praise the Lord. You can go around carrying your Bible under your arm and looking religious and carry it with you and put it on the dash of your car and have it on your coffee table in the home and be just as sick and defeated as you want to be. This right here is not the Word of God. It is a representation of God's Word. I believe it's perfect. I don't believe like some people that all oh, this is just a vague representation. You can't take it word for word. Man, I believe in every last jot and tittle and dot of the I and everything else, a comma in it. I believe in the capitals and the small letters. Amen? Amen. Some people say, how could you believe in that? Don't you know that Greek doesn't even have capitalized letters? Did you know that? I don't know about the Greek, but English does. Amen? <laughs> and I believe that they're inspired. I could show you out of Ephesians chapter 5 a tremendous lesson that God taught me out of a small S instead of a capital S. They're inspired. Every last capitalization or small case letter, anything in this word. I believe that it's a perfect representation, but this in itself is not the Word of God until you get it off of these pages and put it on the inside of you. You can lay this Bible on your head all night long, and I promise you, it is not going to do one thing for you. But you can take it off of this page, put it on the inside of you, and then begin to speak it out your mouth, and it'll contain life within it. Power will flow through the Word of God. So it's important that you realize when we're talking about the Word of God, it's not just talking about reading it. You can read it and let it go through your head in one ear and out the other ear. It won't profit you anything. But if you'll take this and hide these words in the midst of your heart, then they'll produce. Let's look in Proverbs chapter 4. In verse 20, it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my saints. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now see, this is what we're talking about. Don't let them depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. If it says keep them in the midst of your heart, well then that implies that they just don't automatically get there or stay there, right? That means that you have something to do with this. That means that you have to protect and defend the Word of God. And this is something that so few people are willing to do. Man, they think, well, if the Lord's shown me something, you know, it's just going to be fine. They think everything's fine from then on. And man, they can go waller in unbelief, let somebody blaspheme the name of the Lord, cuss, say this stuff doesn't happen anymore, speak anything you want to against the Word of God, doesn't matter to me. Well, you're just deceived. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Unless you're willing to defend the Word of God, you might as well not even hear the Word of God. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about going out and trying to refute everybody because you don't have to prove God to people, but I'm talking about defend the Word that's in your own heart. If you're going to go and just listen to unbelief and let it just come in and go as it feels uh, fits, you know, anybody wants to say anything they want to about the Word of God and you not say one thing to counter it, you are not going to have the Word of God prosper within you. 
You're going to have to defend it. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith, what 1 Timothy chapter 6 says. You're going to have to fight, and you're going to have to defend the faith that you've got. Jude says in about the fourth or the fifth verse, somewhere along there, he says that I wrote unto you that you might earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, what's he talking about? If you remember what we've ministered on, our faith is a gift at salvation according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It's given unto you. Why is he saying earnestly contend for the faith if you've already got faith, if it became yours at salvation and it's given unto you? What he's talking about is you may have it, but are you protecting it? Is it working in your life or are you being stymied by the unbelief? Man, you've got to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And this is what this scripture is saying, that you've got to hide these words in the midst of your heart. You've got to keep them. God doesn't keep the Word of God in you. God gave you the Word. He gave you the Holy Ghost to in, uh, interpret it to you, to empower it, to enlighten you, to do all of those things. But you have to put it on the inside of you. Just like Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And everybody says, Well, that's great. Lord, I pray that you'd equip me with the breastplate of righteousness and so forth. That's not what that scripture says. It says, You put on the whole armor of God. Jesus died and provided the armor, but you've got to put it on. If you don't put it on, it's not going to get put on. Amen? God doesn't dress you. You dress yourself. God bought your clothes for you. You put them on. Amen? God provided the word for us, but you've got to put it in your heart. I've had people come up and say, Andy, lay hands on me and pray that the Lord will give me revelation of His Word. Well, now that's a good desire if you're in the Word of God and studying it. But there's some people that would like you to come and wave a magic wand over them like this. And all of a sudden, man, they're going to come out established in the Word of God. They're going to know the Word of God. It doesn't work that way. The Lord's shown me a lot of things through the Scripture. I'm still learning. I've got a long ways to go. But the Lord's shown me a lot of things, and I guarantee you there's no shortcut to it. You don't get the Word of God by osmosis. You've got to get in there, and you've got to study, and you've got to put it before your eyes, and you've got to confess it out your mouth, and you've got to spend some time in the Word of God. And boy, that's something that I know just must... If the Lord could get upset over something, He's bound to get upset over His people saying, Lord, if you'd just teach me. And there he's got the Holy Ghost completely equipped, the best teaching aids of the day, amen. Got everything going for him, and nobody will come to class. <laughs> nobody will ever listen to the Holy Ghost. He's given him the command that he's got to teach us and lead us into all truth and teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance, and nobody will sit down and allow the Holy Ghost to teach him anything. Man, it's time that we get a commitment and get in God's Word day and night. I had somebody one time ask me, why are you all the time in the Word of God? Why do you read? Why do you talk the Word of God? Why are you always studying the Word of God? I told him I was cramming for my finals, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I like that. I guarantee you, we're getting our finals soon, and you need to get in the Word of God and get with it. That's what this scripture's saying. Verse 22 says, For they, what's the they that it's talking about? God the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? It's the Word. The words are, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Did you know people want healing? And, I, and you all the time hear people praying for healing, and that's good. I'm all for it. But if you want healing, get God's Word. Begin to speak God's Word out your mouth and begin to listen to God's Word. Put it on and speak it out your mouth. Speak it out your mouth. Speak it out your mouth. Something the Lord's been dealing with me lately over is uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, where it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now, I've seen that as far as I know that, you know, I get faith through hearing the Word of God. But the way my old religious mind has always interpreted that is that the first time you hear it, faith comes. But then, after I've seen it, I've had the attitude like, Well, Lord, I've already seen that. Let's go on to something new. But the Lord's been showing me He didn't say the first time you hear it, but every time you hear it, faith will come. If you can hear the Word of God one time, faith will come. If you hear it the second time, that much faith will come again. And you hear it a third time, that much faith's going to come again. If you hear it a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, however many times, faith is going to keep coming. If you want to get strong in faith, keep the Word of God coming. Amen. Keep studying it. Keep going over and over it. If you need healing in your body, say, By His stripes... I was healed. If you still need healing in your body, believe that faith came. Amen. 
And then take that faith in your heart, speak God's Word out your mouth, hear it in your ear, and let faith come again. And you speak it out your mouth, hear it in your ear, and faith comes again. And if you have to say it 10,000 times, praise God, on the 10,000 first time, you're going to get healed. Amen. <laughs> what are you going to be doing in the meantime? Laying in bed, moaning and groaning, and griping and complaining. You had not got anything better to be doing. I heard Kenneth Copeland one, again give a testimony about this, where he was sick one time. And he it was one of his first full gospel businessmen's meeting, I think is what it was. And it was really a good opportunity for him to minister the Word. And he got in a hotel and he was by himself and he said that the flu hit him and he got sick all over. Said his back hurt, he was nauseated, he had a headache, he was running the temperature, his nose was run, everything was wrong. And there he was supposed to minister the next day. And he said that he was tired of traveling anyway. He just really felt like calling Gloria up and telling her, I'm coming home on the next plane and let her rub his fevered brows, what he said. <laughs> but then he got to thinking that he couldn't do that. God had called him to minister. He knew this was Satan trying to steal the word out of him. So as much as he hated it, he got up out of bed. He said he didn't want to get out of bed, but he got up out of bed. And he said, by his stripes, I was healed. And he said he didn't feel a thing. So he said it again. By his stripes, I was healed. And he said it again. Anyway, he counted how many times he said it. And he said that 500 and something times. I forgot how many. But it was 500 and some odd times. And he said that he got in such a spiritual warfare with the devil that he was beating on the wall and yelling, By his stripes, I was healed. And, you know, meaning it from his heart. And he said he knew everybody in the motel could hear him, but he said he didn't care. They weren't the ones sick. He was. And he was doing what it took to get healed. And he said on the 500 and something time, he said all of a sudden it went off in his heart that by his stripes I was healed. And bam, the pain left, everything. He was completely normal. Said he got so excited he couldn't hardly sleep. And the next day, he had the greatest manifestation of the anointing of God in his ministry that he had ever seen. I had a friend that was at that meeting, and, and this friend was sitting on, I think, either the third or the fourth row from the front. And he said that people were running down there. The anointing power of the Lord was so strong to get healed. People would run down there, and when they'd hit the stage, nobody would even touch them. The power of God would lay them out flat. One of them, he said, this lady that weighed nearly 200 pounds, hit the stage and went over four rows of chairs backwards and landed in his lap. <laughs> He says it was just unreal, the things that were happening, and that's really one of the things that got Kenneth Copeland started and that the Lord used to open up. What would have happened if he had gone the other route? But you see, he realized the, the principle that we're talking about, that God's Word are containers. They contain God's faith and power, and it's unalterable. And if you'll get God's Word on the scene, it'll go to working for you. And so he started confessing it out of his mouth, hearing it with his ear, and faith started coming and just kept doing it, and the Word was health unto all of his flesh. Praise God, if you want healing in you, get the Word of God and speak healing right out your mouth. Do you know, I envision this. We talked not long ago about seeing things with your imagination. And when I pray for people, I envision that when I'm speaking, that healing's coming right out my mouth. That may be hard for you to envision, but I can do it. And I see healing coming out my mouth. I say this terminology a lot if you've listened where I say I bridle this body with my tongue out of James the third chapter because with your tongue you can speak life or death. I'll take authority over that body and command it that it has to come in line with God's Word and go to speaking it out your mouth and praise God it'll work. That is how powerful. That is how much authority and power is in God's Word. And so you apply this back to what we've said about life and death being in the power of our tongue. Get rid of using your own words and just get over to where you speak God's words. You'll offend every religious person you come in contact with. But praise God, you'll get the power of God working on your side. People will start saying, you holier than thou, going around quoting scriptures and talking like God all the time. You can't even come to a PTA party without talking about the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. When you get that strong, I guarantee you the Word of God will go to working for you. Amen. But one of the big problems is that we've been able to turn it on and cut it off when we want to. That doesn't work that way. You're going to have to let God's Word get so established within you that you never uproot it. That it stays at work continually. That it stays at work for you continually. And when we'll get that consistent, when we'll enter into covenant with the Lord like that and we'll start speaking His words in that manner, I guarantee you, you'll start seeing the same results out of God's Word that God has. That excites me. Well, this turns me on to know that we just aren't helpless. That we aren't just down here trying to somehow or another attain unto God and asking God to do something. God's already done it all and He gave us His Word. This is the most valuable thing that ever was. 
You wonder, if you look back at history, why people died to translate the Bible. It's because they caught a glimpse of this. They realized that this was God's Word, and it, it, and it contained salvation. And people have died. I mean multitudes of people have died so that you could have that Bible in your lap tonight. And a lot of us don't recognize it. We don't study it. We don't read it. We listen to people lambast it. We listen to doubts and reservations about it. You ought to love the Bible, not just the physical pages and stuff, but the Word, the true spirit of the Word of God. You ought to love it like you would your husband or your wife. I guarantee you, if I really love my wife, I'm not going to let somebody come up and just begin to run her down and tell me how much they dislike her and, and all of these negative and bad reports about her. You won't do something like that. You'll stop it. Right, Brother Al? Amen. Praise the Lord. Use force if need be. But you stop it. You wouldn't listen to that kind of stuff. And yet we've allowed people to discredit the Word of God. We listen to it. We've allowed it to go forth in the school system. That's a disgrace. The only reason Satan's got the stronghold that he has in the school system is because the parents have been asleep. Did you know if Christians, I mean even right here in Walsh and surrounding areas, if Christians were to band together, Walsh would have to bow the knee before it. Because I guarantee you, there's more spirit-filled Christians and even the few that we got, amen, have more power than all of the unbelievers put together. If we'd stand our ground and demand our rights, you could get the Lord free and operating in our school system again. Praise the Lord. Don't know why I got off on that, but that's good. And it will, it'll work. We have that kind of power and authority. If we would just take it, if you begin to believe it. Amen. You start realizing that, that everything God said is a covenant. And you get in the Word of God, Matthew chapter 8, where a leper came to him and says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. And he said, I will be thou whole. Realize that he spoke a covenant out of his mouth. He said, it is my will to heal. Be whole. All you've got to do is say, I see that. Those words are just as alive. They carry just as much anointing and power in them as the moment they were spoken to that man with leprosy in Matthew chapter 8. Grab them, take them off of the page, put them on the inside of you, get them established in your heart, then confess it out your mouth and praise God, you can be whole. You can speak those words, say, I will be thou whole, Andy Womack, in the name of Jesus. And I guarantee you, man, the power and the anointing of God will come flowing through you. If we would get that strong and believe it like that, it'll work. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.